having to, uh, not dodge, but, like, be careful of every time George tries to jump up in my lap because, like, he definitely, like, knocks the mic and hits the boom arm and it just sounds like a big old, <laughs> like, every time. And I'm like, okay, buddy. Like, <laughs> you, you, you can be up here or you can be down there. So <laughs> he was purring into the microphone a second ago. Let's see if he can do that again. Hey, come here. Come here. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Oh, you got anything to say? Oh, he knocked my mic condom off. <laughs> Just like one fell swoop. Yeah, there you I go. Good hear job, it. Buddy. Yeah. Good job, buddy. <laughs> but I see that he is no longer, it only took one week, he is no longer <laughs> the only cat of the no hugging, no learning family. That's right. We have officially adopted our cat into our family, as I mentioned last week. And uh, yeah, so this is our second day with her. Well, yeah, no, well, yeah second day pretty much. Because we got and, uh, her, like, I, Friday night. I see that you didn't name her Susan. No, no Susie. Even Sushi, which we kind of, I think I think we, I had mentioned that to you, and we had even kind of agreed that it was kind of close to Susan, right? Didn't yeah. we talk yeah. about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, but even that got usurped at the last second by, it was kind of my son's idea because... He, you know, we're, I still wasn't sold on sushi. I think my, our, you know, Colleen liked it, our daughter. He just uh, kept running around that morning going, dad, dad, where's my mind? And the decision was made up for you. (laughs) Exactly. Well, it actually stems from, you know, I asked him if there, because he's into Ninjago right now. Are you familiar with the Lego Ninja show? I was never into it, but uh, I know it became like huge after I was a kid. So my son is really into that, and I asked if there were any female characters because it's a female cat. I said, "Are there any female characters in that?" And and he said, "There's one called named Nia." And I was like, "Nah, I'm not really into that." But then he said, "Oh yeah, there's another one. the 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 girl robot is named Pixel." And I was like, "Oh, I really like that because it's first of all, it's it's geeky, you know. So I like that aspect of it. It's (laughs) it's diminutive, you know. A pixel is like the smallest." part yeah. of a digital picture uh and so and cats are you know cats are cute and diminutive very, like that yeah and they're very small yeah exactly and i was like oh my gosh i love so pixel like shot right to the top of my list and i was lobbying hard for it without trying to like because colleen was still <laughs> not all about it she was like you know i i like her because her original name is cleo and then uh-huh. we were we were mixing that up while we were talking about her and people in the house were calling her chloe and Colleen was like, I like both of those names better than Pixel, but I also like Sushi better than all of that. And everyone else was on the side of, because then Sarah realized the, the cat could be nicknamed Pixie, which she liked. And so she was like, well, you know, then that, Declan was on the side of Pixel because it was from Ninjago. And I liked Pixel for all the reasons I said. And Sarah liked Pixel because of the nickname possibilities. And Colleen was still like the last holdout. It was like 12 Angry Men. <sighs> In here. Oh. <laughs> yeah and i mean even though it was three to one it was like <laughs> with a family vote especially involving a you know nine-year-old it was like not you know it was it was there was a, we reached a stalemate but i think she eventually come around i don't know how she came around to it i guess she just you know just um she sleep know. on it or I, I think she just um what's the word i'm looking for uh she man you know when you reluctantly agree to something um that's, I can't think of the word right now. But, um, yeah, she reluctantly surrendered, I guess, to the, the idea of Pixel. So, <laughs> so Pixel slash Pixie is, is her name now. 
And, uh, and yeah, she's still, like, acclimating herself to the house, like, um, resigned. That's what I was looking for. I think Colleen just sort of resigned mm, herself. Okay. That no one was going to come back around to, to any of the other names. So Yeah. Well, um, for what yeah. it's worth, whenever, whenever I was editing last week's episode, uh, I thought of another name possibility to keep it in the Seinfeld universe. Yeah. Uh, you should have just named her Marissa Tomei. Uh, <laughs> anyone who George was associated with you know what i i uh, the i did throw this name out there as like a last minute hail mary i was like what about putty i think that's a good cat name because also it's it's got that uh, it's got that y sound at the end just like pixie kind of does that that gives it that diminutive quality you know mm-hmm. uh, it gives it that fun sort of quality um and it, you know putty is kind of like a big dumb cat in the show Seinfeld, <laughs> you know? He is. He is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's, you could argue he's probably more big, dumb dog-like, but uh, I think you could argue, you know, <laughs> any big, dumb pet <laughs> is like Putty. Uh, and, and also, I mean, Putty also has that double meaning of, you know, the stretchy, fun, sort of, f- like, uh, uh, sort of solid, fluid thing that cats are. You know, cats are like that solid, fluid. Cats are Putty. So <laughs> I, I thought it was a great name. I, 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 you know, I didn't lobby too hard for it. I just threw it out there in case anybody was like, yes, you know, but I, but no one had that reaction. So I gave it up pretty quick, pivoted back to pixel, but yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're cat, we're a cat family again, loving it. And she's very uh, amenable and, you know, she's sort of, like I said, still getting acclimated to the house and still getting comfortable and, you know, still doesn't probably quite know what's going on, but I, you know, she's, she's very friendly and coming around. And the first night she like slept at the foot of the bed and, and uh, last night, we don't know where she was when we went to sleep, but but we heard that she was under our bed in the morning. So we hear that she likes to sleep under beds mostly, but sometimes on top of them as well. And yeah, so it's great. We're loving it. That's awesome. That's awesome. This is the only episode of Caribbean Enthusiasm now that I have watched twice because we were, we, we were going to record a couple of days ago, and then uh, I uh, uh, was a little late getting back from... The vet with George, just like an intro appointment that he had. Yeah. Um, from uh, from adopting him. Speaking of like learning stuff from memes, uh, this episode that we watched today is the source of one of the most iconic Curb Your Enthusiasm memes. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't even realize it until Grace pointed it out at the end of the episode, and I'm like, oh my god. All right. Well, on that note, should we get started? Might as well, yeah. All right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 8, Episode 3, Palestinian Chicken. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode? The Safe House. Uh, Jerry Miner had a minor part (laughs) in the episode. And, uh, you know, uh, we recognized him, so I wanted to know what he was up to in 2011. It's weird getting so close to current day because a lot of these actors, you know, we're finding that they're not like, oh, yeah, they were just getting started. Although in this one, I think there is one that is like, oh, yeah, he was just getting started, which was so so entertaining to see. Jerry Miner, you know, but as we get closer to current day, it's like, oh, yeah, this was just... Famous comic actor has cameo on Curb. It's like they're all (laughs) solidly cameo, you know. It's like, uh, and Jerry Miner, who, by the way, just like our favorite Jerry, Seinfeld, is also a Jerome, uh, Jerome Charles Miner Jr. He's 53 now, uh, born in Memphis, grew up in Flint, Michigan. He was shunned by some members of his family because he rejected his Jehovah's Witness upbringing. I found that mm. kind of interesting, yeah. Uh, and he then he started doing uh, stand-up comedy and writing and performing with sketch comedy groups in Detroit, 
before uh, joining Second City's Detroit main stage improv troupe, which I know either, I think it's Sam Richardson who was a part of that. I want to say maybe Tim was too, and that's where they met, met. But I always forget there's one time when like one of them got in something and one of them didn't. I know SNL was definitely that case, but um, but I thought there was some there was some other time when it's like, oh yeah, he was in that and I wasn't. But maybe they were both in Second City Detroit. And then after writing and performing in three reviews, he joined Second City Chicago for two shows. And then he did one show at Second City Toronto. And so he's the only performer at the time to have belonged to all three Second City touring companies, uh, oh which God. I guess is quite a feat. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of cool. Uh, my, Jerry Miner was hired as a cast member and writer on SNL for one season in 2000 and 2001, which I think I forgot because I really remember him from The Daily Show. But he was on SNL for a season. His best known work is probably the recurring sketch Rap Street, which he performed with Horatio Sands, which I do remember. He played Grandmaster Rap on that show. And this this sketch is one that my family and I, whenever we get together, like we just it's like that meme, you know, guys will sit around and say random sports names to each other. Have you seen that like tweet <laughs> yes, that makes around yes. every now and then? Well, my family, it's we just sit around and shout random SNL sketches from history at each other. <laughs> and Rap Street is one of them because when Heather Graham hosted, she played Aaron Carter, which is which works I mean, it's so funny to see her like in a little Aaron Carter wig looking exactly like Aaron Carter. No, no, it was Mina Suvari. Sorry, not Mina Suvari. I mean, not Heather Graham. It was Mina Suvari. But to see Mina Suvari, like, all she has to do is put on, like, you know, this little, like, Bieber Bangs wig, even though it was well before Bieber Bangs were a thing, but just to describe them in modern parlance, and just become uh, Aaron Carter was hilarious. But she sings this parody of Aaron's party that was like, everybody party party, everybody rock, everybody party party, ends at 8 o'clock. Because, uh, you know, he was like 11 or whatever when Aaron's party came out. And the two old guys on the show, they play these like old, like, you know, 60 year old rappers who started in the game. They're like, oh, that's a j- eight o'clock's a good time for a party to end. It's so funny. We, we, <laughs> but we've always loved everybody party party ends at eight o'clock. <laughs> um, so I, I got to thank Jerry Miner for that sketch. He was also on Mr. Show, The Daily Show, as I mentioned. Uh, had a small part in the movie Melvin Goes to Dinner, directed by Bob Odenkirk, which has come up before. I forget who's in it. that, But it's a movie that I recommend because I caught it a million years ago, like in, in the middle of the night. Like I never would have seen this movie, but randomly I saw it, and it, it's it's really funny. Um, and Arrested Development he was in. I remember he was Lu- uh, Louis C.K.'s neighbor on Lucky Louie, the first uh, like HBO show that uh, that Louis C.K. had. Uh, he was in a, the one season show that I loved. I think it was on ABC called Carpoolers about guys that, yep, they carpooled to their oh. corporate gig together. Yeah, one season in 2007. But I think it's where I discovered TJ Miller because he had a little part in that. And I don't oh. remember who. Yeah, right. I know. We, we, we've we talked about carpoolers on the show before. You I remember this, so. right? Yeah. Is it because of Jerry it, O'Connell? It was, uh, no, it was because it was... <laughs> We were talking about Cavemen, the sitcom yeah. about the Geico Cavemen. Yeah, with Nick and Kroll. I, yeah, and I was telling you about how, still this far into the future, how the jingle, because they played back-to-back on yeah. ABC, and it was like, uh, like th- Thursday nights on ABC, it's Cavemen and Carpoolers. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. 
Yeah. I'm like, so as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> Just came yeah, but right I back. Did... I should see if I doubt it's on Hulu, but I'd love to watch Carpoolers again. It wouldn't even take that long, but it was There's so no funny. way it's available to stream I know. anywhere. <laughs> I know, like especially like HBO and and Disney, they're taking successful things off of their streaming platform. They're taking things off that people like. You think they're gonna keep up things Carpool. that lasted a season? <laughs> I'm hoping that they keep them up only because they're cheap. It's like, yeah, oh, this costs us a penny, and we can say we have you know all this content. <laughs> but probably not probably not but i'd love to watch it again probably talked about my favorite episode the one where <laughs> jerry o'connell finds what he thinks is a stray dog but it's a coyote and it's like and and the coyote is really friendly with jerry o'connell he t- takes it in and cleans it up and like starts feeding it and stuff but he's like jogging with it and people are terrified they're like oh my god and like he doesn't understand why he just thinks he got a new dog and it's uh it's hilarious um, he was, a, but back to Jerry Minor. He was in uh, "I Love You, Man," and he was in "Drillbit Taylor." Uh, and for a number of years, I didn't know this. He and comedian Craig Robinson were a comedy act where they performed as the musical duo duo L Witherspoon and Chucky, with Minor as smooth singing L Witherspoon, and Craig Robinson played Chucky, the keyboard player and backup singer. I know uh, music is still a big part of Craig Robinson's uh, act, so. Um, that sounds pretty funny. Uh, so that was all kind of, I think post, or I mean, that was all pre this episode of curb. So he was definitely like, again, comic actor making cameo on popular HBO comedy post curb. He's made guest appearances on shows like funnier die presents drunk history, which has come up a lot lately. Nick Swartzen's pretend time, which has come up a lot lately. (laughs) If that's on Paramount plus, I might actually have to get my sister's password to that because follow up to last week's, uh, a little last week's storyline. Um, I did call my sister to get her HBO Max password. Max, I'm sorry. Yes. To get her Max password. And I decided to make the call. Well, I do love my sister and we should catch up. But I was like, I yes. can't. I knew in this case I couldn't just text and ask for a password without seeming insensitive because she recently moved to Florida where a very strong hurricane mm. just hit where oh, she lived. Oh, so, my God. <laughs> yeah. So I had to do a check-in call before uh but she's fine like you know but i but here's the thing i called and she was like hey i'm getting my nails done right now i'll call you later and i was like okay and i was like oh you know i because then i did leave a voicemail because i'm an elder millennial and so and she's gen x so she checks them yeah um <laughs> i don't know if she checked it or not, but i know she must have because she knew the content because i was like hey you know just calling to see a how you know the school year's going she's a teacher and i was like and b see if you've dried out yet from that hurricane that swept through and so when she texted back, she was like, yeah, the scariest part was Friday into Saturday. And luckily, I have steel storm shutters on my new place. So I got some use out of those. And <laughs> But everything's fine now. And we, we're, but we're still not back at school or something like that. Um, so, mm, yeah. Okay. But And then so you, I you, waited. You're making the small talk good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that was the big talk. That was the talk that needed to be done. Well, y- yeah. Yes. The, yes. like, you're okay talk. Yeah. <laughs> no. They, yeah. I like that you're flipping it. They're like, the max is the important thing. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> the fact that she's alive is the small talk. <laughs> The fact that she survived a hurricane, yeah, that's whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so but then I and then I waited. That was on Wednesday, I think. And then Thursday she didn't call, and Friday she didn't call. And so I was like, well, gosh, I I really need that. We want to. Sarah and I wanted to keep watching the HBO show we were watching. So I I texted her on like 
Saturday afternoon or something. And I was like, hey, I got rid of Xfinity. Can I get your... And she was like, I'm out. But yeah, try this. And so she gave it to me like, no problem. I was like, yes. I mean, like, not that I expect yes. it. My sister's not like a difficult person, but it's like, you know, yeah. she's, she's you the most didn't sensitive. you just want to like... Yeah. yeah, you just didn't want to like text her out of nowhere. Hey, what's your HBO password? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Text her out of nowhere. What's your HBO password? Give it to me. Give it to me. Um, and then yeah. no contact. Yeah, no contact again. <laughs> yeah, a couple more things about Jerry Minor, believe it or not. Key and Peel, he was on. John Benjamin has a van, which was another show that I loved. That um, I, you know, back in when Comedy Central would just like give everybody a show for one season and just see how it worked out. Uh, Last Man Standing, How I Met Your Mother, Brooklyn Nine Nine in 2010. So this is pre Curb. He started as Mighty Joe John, the Black Blonde. In the second season of the Adult Swim series, Delocated, which was one of my favorites. Just so weird. And Minor has also had recurring appearances on The Office as Brandon, Daryl's girlfriend's boyfriend or whatever. uh, The warehouse worker that Daryl starts a a thing with. Eastbound and Down, Community, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Of course, like every talented improver, he has been on Bob's Burgers as the voice of (laughs) Officer Julia, who I don't remember. But if you've seen that Hmm. episode. Uh, so that was so that was what Jerry Minor was up to, you know, leading up to Curb. Um, but what about Michaela Watkins? She played uh, the uh, woman that Larry yells at for letting her dog poop in his yard. After several years with the L.A. comedy troupe, The Groundlings, she was a featured player for a short amount of time. And I do remember her on SNL uh, uh, between 2008 and 2009 during its 34th season. So she was just a featured player. And after she left SNL, she starred on the Hulu series Casual. She was on The Unicorn, which I didn't know. Uh, Trophy Wife. She has also had recurring roles on shows like The New Adventures of Old Christine with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Catastrophe, Enlightened, Search Party. She was in The Backup Plan, uh, Wanderlust, which is a pretty funny movie with all the people from the state. Uh, She was in Sort of Trust with Mark Maron. Uh, And Watkins said when she was hired that she was the oldest woman ever hired for SNL. But she was since surpassed by leslie jones who was 47 when she joined the cast she made her first major appearance on the show as ariana huffington on the november 22nd weekend update uh but then when snl was on summer hiatus the news broke that she and casey wilson were both let go from the show one of her other famous uh roles that i loved was angie tempura a geeky iced coffee drinking computer nerd who snarks on celebrities and movies and is the creator of the snarky website bitch please uh, at www.bitchplease.com with two e's which does redirect to the snl site which i love because does it really yeah because too many times like a, a tv show will mention a website and then you go and it's like 403 no website here and i'm like just i don't understand that line of thinking it's free marketing people are going to go there you know is it two e's um, at the end or two e's in the middle Two E's in the middle, yeah. P-L-E-E-Z-E. P-L-E-E-Z, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, not an S. I should have, it's, it's spelled wrong on all sorts of <laughs> all sorts of counts. B-I-T-C-H-P-L-E-E-Z. E, and then an E at the end. And then an E at the end. God damn. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> they should have bought all these, though. They should have. They should have. <laughs> Cost fifteen bucks to register a domain. Just do it. There it is. It'd be it'd be great if it linked to that like sketch. Yeah, that ex- yeah, I agree. That's that's the one thing that would make it better. But you know, two thousand eight, I want to say, was kind of still in the heyday of those gossip blogs like Perez Hilton or Orange is the new. Wait, Pink is the new black. 
or I'm trying to think of the ones that I loved checking. Like this was my show prep back in the day. I was like, all right, open up all these gossip sites. You just know, very, and, and very, just... very TMC ish. Yeah, yeah, like pre TMZ. Wait, um, TM TMZ. Yes. I meant. I, I think I said TMC. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very much in the vein of uh, Hitchcock uh, marathon. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was playing off of all those, you know, because those guys became celebrities in their own right. But she was, you know, like her, she had a little catchphrase that was bitch, please, or something like that. And it would just sort of like vocal fry fade out. Um, but it was it was pretty funny. Uh, she was also on Children's Hospital, Kroll Show, Key and Peel, Modern Family, The Life and Times of Tim, which started popping up more and more. She had already been on SNL and had already, you know, made her mark again, I think, as a comic actress. So, again talented uh comedian makes cameo on on hbo show i think is uh, is also where we're landing there uh in <laughs> some other trivia i i guess computer guy who of course was played by now i forget his real name i was just calling booger but you know who i'm talking about i think that's uh who they're talking about here they're uh, according, according to imdb eddie pepitone auditioned for the role of computer guy you know who that is right that like kind of loud older kind of fat comedian guy yeah like other other comics seem to think he's like dropped it he's one of those comics comics that, like, that people are like oh my god and civilians like me are like hey i mean i i get it he's kind of yelling and his spit is flying everywhere and i don't know you know i don't know where you stand on eddie pepitone i mean i um, i don't really have an opinion <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i mean i think that says a lot too <laughs> he's one of those people um so uh, i guess he auditioned for the role of that computer guy in this episode, too, Larry indignantly says to Richard, you called me old? You're two days older than I am. Richard is actually <laughs> three days older than Larry, which um, makes Larry's argument that much more stronger, by the way. But considering their actual respective ter- uh, times of birth, we don't know when, Richard could be anywhere between two and four days older than Larry because Richard Lewis was born on June 29th, 1947, and Larry was born on July 2nd. I didn't realize... My birthday and Larry's birthday, or my birthday and Richard Lewis's birthday, for that matter, were so close together. I'm, I'm sandwiched right in the middle. I'm July 1st. Huh, um, so they are actually, Richard Lewis is actually two days older than, than Larry David. That is true. And then the, uh, the last thing I want to mention, uh, you know, just about kind of this, epi- this, this era of the show that I remember is that before this season, I remember one of my favorite radio shows, Don and Mike, interviewing the actress who played Susie, Susie Essman, um, on the show. And first of all, they got a great drop out of it because they had a, they had a dump button, of course, because they were like a live all talk dude show. But they were like, hey, can you do like a classic Larry David, like curse out, but make it about us? And she was like, yeah, just right now. I was like, yeah, don't worry, we'll dump it. And so all you heard was like, Don and Mike, you. And then it, it went to the, it, it jumped forward in time and everyone's just cracking <laughs> up and they're like, they're like, oh, my God. And so, they, of course, when they played it back, they had to bleep everything. But it was still one of their drops forever that was absolutely, you know, just a classic Susie Green chew out. And it was so awesome that she did it, too, because sometimes you'd ask those celebrities and they'd be like, I'm not here to talk about that. You know, but she was yeah. just so game to <laughs> do awesome. it. It was awesome. That's great. Yeah. But I also remember them asking because I guess Larry David was actually getting divorced in real life around this time. And so they asked her. They were like, hey, do you think his divorce is really is going to be a part of the new season? And she was like, no, nah, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, he was. Well, he was getting divorced in 2007. So maybe this was even pre last season, pre Seinfeld, because um, he got divorced in 07. Uh, um, and she was like, no, he doesn't really. He, I don't know. I don't think he's going to write about his personal life like that. It's not that 
you know, ser- and then of course the next two seasons were about him getting a divorce. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether she was being coy or whether uh, she really didn't know up until you know getting the the outline of the the how how early they get it. But um, I was just some random memory from this time in in Curb history that I remembered. So that is it. All right, uh, Tim. Before we uh, before we move on, I want you to check the notes of what I sent you on the uh, on the Libsyn chat. There is okay. a YouTube playlist. Oh. That is every episode of Carpoolers. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm, I will copy this. And uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, okay, there we go. Yes. Definitely saving that. And it, and it looks like they're pretty decent quality, too. Sweet. Like, yeah, I, I watched like the first couple of seconds of, uh, of, uh, <laughs> of episode one. I'm like, okay, yeah. It's. Uh, it's not uh, HD, but it's uh, you know latter days of standard def. I can handle that. I can't wait to check that out. <laughs> there are yes. um, thirteen episodes, and they're all like twenty twenty ish minutes. Uh, see, episode eight was only nineteen thirty. ABC oh was really ambitious on yeah. selling ads on season eight on episode eight of Carpoolers. Car yeah, I kind of wish. <laughs> like, I know we thought we were doing everybody favors when we were recording things without commercials back in the day, but I kind of miss. I would love to, you know, pull up a Christmas special that I used to watch back in the day and have all of the kids' toy commercials still be in there. You know. <laughs> I mean, that would definitely add to it. And I would love to see what commercials were running in 2007, yeah. whenever, car- well, whatever, when Carpoolers was on. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I, I think I've told you this before. One of the things Grace and I will always go back and watch on YouTube are commercial compilations. Yeah, from, yeah. You know, from the 90s or the early 2000s, sometimes the 80s. Yeah. And it'll just be, you know, we'll, we'll be more nostalgic over those than we are, like, the actual content <laughs> that those were being sold on. Exactly. <laughs> Because it'll just be like, oh my god, I remember this. Did you have this? I had this. Did you have this? <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Uh, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last... Let me check the time. 46 minutes. How the fuck did hey. we get to 46 minutes already? Uh, being almost exclusively research and bullshit, we'd like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following, as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before. In the last 12 years, if we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over anything, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHugging no learning show at gmail.com. Both of those links are down in the description or on the app or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. You can also give us a follow and uh, send us a DM. No hugging, no, wait, what is it? No hugging <laughs> underscore no learning on Instagram. We are over there now, so uh, go check that out. If you like us a little bit, you can give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts, and uh, you can also give us a five-star rating on Spotify if you use either of those apps. If you've already done that, maybe you like us a little bit more than just giving us a five-star rating, you can join us over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash nohugging, where for five bucks a month, you can join the It's a Hyundai tier and get early access to extended versions of all of our episodes, as well as movie reviews from the Seinfeld extended cinematic universe uh we, we got another one coming up soon maybe haven't <laughs> recorded it yet but we'll uh, we'll drop it whenever it's ready 
Um, that is over at patreon.com slash no hugging. I want to give a shout out to uh, the people who are joining us over on Patreon currently, especially welcome back to Liam M. Liam M is hey. back signing up for another month. Uh, so Liam, congratulations on making a uh, an all right decision. I, I was going to make, I was going to say uh, a, a great decision. Is it though? <laughs> is it? But Liam, thank you. Thank you so much. Also, thank you to Michael Klatsky, Drybones, Nate Collins, Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals at the Idiotville Podcast, John Murphy, Danigo Ligorio, who just followed us on Instagram, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but uh, also, uh, Danica Ligorio's partner, J-Dog Conlord, uh, and also Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, and Megan Stolarski. Thank you guys so much. All of that being said, Season 8, Episode 3, Palestinian Chicken. Original air date, July 24th, 2011. And if you were looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry plays social assassin to the hilt at a dinner party, on the golf course, and at a Palestinian restaurant with chicken to die for. Oh, interesting. Very long. We'll see if it holds up at the end. It's It, it pulls a lot of things in together. We'll have to see. By the way, uh, J-Con Doglord gave me a great idea for the podcast uh and i'll try to do it at the end of the episode but it's it's really fun and i think it's going to be funny so um we will we'll get to that but hopefully i remember so we open on the golf course at the country club that i guess larry didn't get kicked out of for killing and lying about killing the owner's prized black swan i guess not was this the same club it looks the same yeah it looks it, it looks like that little walkway where we saw him like you know, yelling about the weatherman and stuff. I mean, it looks like the golf club that he's always playing at. Um, so I guess everything was cool with Mr. Takahashi um, and the Black Swan. Uh, maybe Larry was able to just lie his way out of it. I don't know. I don't know what you're, you want your head cannon to be there. It's very possible. But it's very possible. Jeff and Larry are practicing on the practice green with Larry Miller and another guy. Of course, Larry Miller. We don't have to look him up. Famous comic actor, been in everything, um, and very hilarious in this episode. I got to say, I've always, I've always liked his deadpan humor. Um, I don't know. Maybe people remember him as the dad in Ten Things I Hate About You. I think is where he plays a, a dad. But, uh, but yeah, I've, I've always liked his deadpan humor that he uses to great effect in this uh, in this episode. And they are well on their way. They think to having the best team at the club five man championship tournament. They're very excited. Funkhauser is the other guy, and no one's seen him uh, on the course for like a month. I mean, he's good, In but is he good month. enough? To, yeah, to like to play on Saturday, having not practiced at all. Like you know, uh, no one's seen him, but he's still in supposedly. Eddie, who is who I wrote down Rodney at first because I swear to God that the other guy who we don't know his name yet, um, <laughs> I swear he called him Rodney, but it's Eddie as we find out later on. Eddie invites everyone over to his place for a pre-tournament dinner with all the wives and everything like that. And the other guy just needs to rush out of there or else his wife is going to be mad. And everyone kind of pokes fun at him for that. Uh, Larry says, you know, is is there anything, uh, you know, as, as embarrassing as an emasculated Jewish man who has to, like, rush home to his wife? And, and Jeff remarks that, you know, imagine if he was married to Susie. He'd have pee stains on his pants constantly. He's like, I, I have at least one ball. He has no balls. I have at least one ball dealing with Susie the yeah. way I have to. Well, 
we also get uh, the, the the first example of that uh, that really dry humor that you were uh, talking about with yeah. this other dude because he's like, oh, okay, well, we'll go. Why don't we stop and get you a new penis on the way? Yeah. He says new cock, actually, which makes it kind of funnier that... Oh, that's heart, right. Like, we, we, why don't we what. stop and get you a new cock on the way yeah. home? We'll get you a new cock on the way home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so now that everyone's kind of leaving the uh, the green, uh, uh, Larry asks if uh, Jeff wants to go to lunch, and he's like, let's try that new Palestinian chicken place. And Jeff's like, it's all I've heard about. So over at the Palestinian chicken place, which is actually called Al-Abbas Original Best Chicken, which you're probably not surprised to find out is not real. It is actually a redressed Sunin Lebanese cafe, which is still at 1776 Westwood Boulevard where it's been for 33 years. So uh, a, main, nice. a mainstay cool. of the Westwood neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, and they just kind of suck up some new signage on it. Jeff and Larry absolutely love the chicken, but they are obviously not huge fans of, but it's not you know taking away from the experience, but they're just sort of remarking on all of the anti-Israel, pro-Palestinian propaganda posters <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> That are like right makes might or whatever, <laughs> and it's like, and it's someone throwing a rock at an Israeli tank. They're just sort of, you know, talking about how Larry says this is a great place for Jews who are cheating on their spouse to go out to eat because no other Jewish person would be spotted there, uh, so you'd be safe. And then Larry looks over and he sees this uh, just smoking Palestinian hottie. He remarks that they're planning the next. I forget what he said, like something about fatwa or something like that. Um, over over this table, and he's like, could, that could be the next Mrs. David. And Jeff's line here is great. He was like, if by some chance she could get over her anti-Semitism, it's not going to be with you. <laughs> it's not going to be for you. Yeah, yeah. it's not going to be for you. Yeah, uh, which was hilarious. And then Larry brings up sort of the central crux of this whole episode, which is hilarious. He's like, you know, you always want that person that doesn't want you. This is someone who doesn't even recognize your right to exist who wants your destruction <laughs> he's like that's a turn on for me <laughs> i thought that was absolutely hilarious extreme take on like oh yeah when I, I think even george says something like this in seinfeld he's like when i want them they don't want me or something like that when they want me i don't want them or something like that you know there's there's always something about that there's always something about eagerness that turns someone off and there's always something about that uh, that rejection that that turns some people on it's like well now i have to now I have to convince this person that I'm a great mate or whatever. But Larry's saying to the extreme, like, they don't even think he should be alive. And <laughs> that turns him on so much. Uh, so he is parking over at Eddie's for the big dinner party. And he backs into a car as he's trying to park in this huge driveway where he could have parked anywhere. But instead, he decided to parallel park in this spot barely big enough for his car. I don't understand yeah, his thinking. Yeah, Tim, if you're... If you're going to a party, if you're driving downtown or anything, if you saw a space that big, would you even think once, let alone twice, that, yeah, I can fit there? No, exactly. Yeah, if this was normal city driving, I'd be like, no, nah, we can't make that. They park too close together. Yeah, no. Gotta go <laughs> around also, the block there's, again. There's a car parked on the other side of the driveway. The, yeah. Uh, the other side of those cars, and there's no one behind that car. No, he had no reason to make sure that you could get in and out of the driveway. Like, everyone's going to show up at the same time. Everyone's going to leave at the same time. And if not, there's four people there. So just go, hey, can you move your car? I got to get out. There was no, absolutely no reason to park. Yeah, exactly. To attempt to parallel park (laughs) 
in this driveway, which is gigantic. He could have even parked nowhere near those cars. Go pack, go park in front of the in the in front of the garage doors. How about that? I mean, you didn't even have to park near the cars. Uh, just just crazy. Uh, so inside. Larry uh, greets Eddie and his wife, who evidently lost like 65 pounds, I think she said. Larry hadn't seen her since the huge weight loss, but walking and celery and just watching what she eats and uh, just an amazing weight transformation. Uh, Larry finds out that the car he bumped into was Ron Silver Lexus because he tried to, I mean, maybe this is one reason that he wanted a parallel park. He was challenging himself. You know, Larry always comes up with these little games to to have fun in his life. And one of the challenge he was doing was, can I parallel park with only my mirrors without turning around? Uh, and so <laughs> obviously this is before backup cameras, but that was the idea. Um, and then Larry has, uh, was it yeah. before backup cameras in 2011? 2011? Maybe not. Maybe there were some early ones. I don't know. Cause ours is a, like, I had one in 2015. I was going to say, yeah, ours is, ours is at least five or six years old at this point. So, or maybe even more. Yeah. Like, so, I don't know, but it, but Larry's car did not have one. I guess. I, I, yeah, I I know my my wife doesn't have one, and hers is a 2013. Yeah, we're getting but, further back. I mean, you know, that's 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 a Camry. I don't think Larry's driving a Camry. No, no, is he in his Prius? I think he might be in his Prius. Let me see. First backup camera in car. Well, the 1956 Buick Centurion concept car. We don't, we're not going to count that. <laughs> <laughs> that actually looks like it had like a VHS <laughs> history. Hell yes! Oh my god! Are you looking at the the Buick the Centurion or whatever? I, I gotta uh, look it up now. Yeah, I do want to. I would love to see. I would love to love to know how it worked. A rear-mounted television camera that. Oh, it was just closed circuit, I guess. Yeah, just to a TV screen instead of to a VHS. Uh, then Volvo tried it in 72. The first production automobile to incorporate a backup camera was the 1991 Toyota Soarer, which was only available in Japan uh, and not available on the U.S. counterpart. Interestingly enough, the Lexus SC. Uh, in April of 2000, Nissan's Infiniti division introduced the rearview monitor on the O2 Infiniti Q45 flagship. So I guess that was probably the first U.S. Uh, car with a backup camera, the 2002 Infiniti Q45. Uh, the 2002 Nissan Primera introduced the rear view monitor backup camera to territories outside of Japan and North America. So 2002. So we are nine years into the era of the backup camera. Yeah. Larry just needs a new. Larry just needs a new car. Yeah. yeah. It, it, that's that's what it's sounding like anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he wanted to challenge himself, and he, he finds out what he, what he ran into was Ron Silver Lexus, uh, and so. Uh, Eddie has a f weird line here where he goes, what do you think this is? The firecracker 400? It's a driveway. Like speed wasn't the issue. You realize that, right? It was, it was, uh, unless the firecracker 400 is some parallel yeah, like, parking competition. I don't know about, I don't think it is. Yeah, it sounds like he's talking about a race though. Yeah. And at no point in the race, are they testing <laughs> you on your backup skills? Unless, you know, yeah. you get in a wreck and then you can't drive forward. That's yeah. the only time. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look up the Firecracker 400 next week and see if there's... I doubt we can ascribe any logic to the joke, but at least we'll find out what it is. But yeah, I mean, even in the pit, they give you enough room to nose in. You don't have to back in. That would be funny, though, if part of it was, yeah, the pit is so small, you have to parallel park. So you have to pull your car up and you have to pull it back into the spot. Uh, no, you can nose into the pit pretty easily. They, they space those out. So I don't, know what, I don't know what he might be talking about. The Firecracker 400 speed was not the issue. It was the fact that Larry was trying to squeeze into a spot okay. too small for his car. You got so it. I, you, you I looked, looked it up, it up real quick. Okay. So we, we 
Yeah, because I'm I'm the racing guy, Tim. The Firecracker yeah, 400 right. is the July or August Daytona race for NASCAR. That's it. Okay. Okay. So whatever's in July, I got it's, you. It, it's a yeah. race. It makes sense. Yeah, it's it's a race. It's not. It's the it's the other race at Daytona that is not the Daytona 500. Gotcha. And so they call it that probably because it's around Firecracker July. Uh, around around Fourth of July. Yes. Yes. But I mean, it it has since taken on like other sponsorship names oh, for the longest time. It was the uh, Pepsi 400, and then they moved oh. it from uh, from outside of Fourth of July time and then it just became the pepsi 400 and then it, it was pepsi 400 for the longest time and then it became the uh coke zero sugar 400 they swooped in and took it from pepsi <laughs> that's always weird <laughs> um, it'd be like it'd be like hunts buying heinz field instead of this acrisure stadium thing like if it was all of a sudden a hunts field i mean first of all pittsburgh would riot and burn it down honestly they, they should have yeah, they should have. That would have been hilarious. But Pittsburgh also would have burned the entire stadium down before they let the name Hunts appear on that <laughs> appear on the that hollowed ground. But it, it's it'd be like that, just, you know. It's like wait, just go just, just go total wild card and just go total wild card and make it French's stadium. <laughs> like that's not yeah. even the same thing. French's. But okay. Yeah, I guess you know maybe a better example would be if PNC all of a sudden became like KeyBank Park or something. You know, it's like oh man, it's just a different bank, but it's weird to. It's weird that another bank swooped in and got it, you know, just the same brand. Now we have to change. <laughs> now we have to change. Um, so uh, Eileen is uh, Ron's wife, and she is the one that, you know, gives him a hard time about everything. I Eileen, a.k.a. Janice from Friends, uh, who we also have seen in an episode of Seinfeld. She is set up with George in, I think the episode is called The Setup, actually. Um, so I don't know if you remember this actress from Seinfeld or Friends. But uh, that's who this is. Uh, of course, uh, Chandler Bing's uh, on again, off again, very annoying girlfriend from from Friends. Mm -hmm. um, and Eileen, yeah. yeah. And anytime she shows up on screen in anything that we watch, uh, as soon as Grace sees her, she has to go, "Oh my <laughs> god!" Of Which, course, you know, is 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 uh, v very on brand. Yeah, an appropriate reaction. Yeah, to seeing the actor. Yeah, an appropriate dance. reaction. Yeah. Uh, but Eileen just browbeats Ron <laughs> over the accident, even though it was Larry's fault. She's like, what did I tell you? You parked too close. And he's like, no, it was my fault. I was the one hitting the, who hit the car. You know, he tries to stick up for his friend. But I mean, just, you know, this this is uh, Ron's life. Uh, and that's who we find out this other guy. His name is Ron. Um, and then Larry notices that Sammy is there uh, for some reason. And by the way, I got a shout out to the actress who plays Sammy for playing the role for what is it? Ten years now. <laughs> I haven't seen her in anything else, and and they could have changed actresses <laughs> at any time, and I don't know if anybody would have cared, but they yeah. they don't. Is she still playing it like after the six year hiatus? I don't know. I sure hope so. I think that'd be awesome if she was just like, yeah, this is this is my job. <laughs> I'm just Sammy Green. Like nothing else. Nope. No, don't need anything else. I'm happy with this. Maybe I'm sure she is in other stuff. But this is the only <laughs> thing I notice her in, and like. We've seen her grow up on this show. It's just wild, you know. Um, it. I, I wonder if after the six-year hiatus, because I don't know how much time is supposed to have passed, but it's like if she looks whatever, 26, and she's got to play 15 or something, it's like, oh, no time has passed. Why? Sammy, <laughs> you've grown. Um, you've shot up over the summer. Um, so, yeah, Sammy is there for some reason, which Larry kind of thinks is weird, but 
what's even weirder to Larry is that Funkhauser shows up and he's wearing a yarmulke. And I like that Larry just kind of cracks up immediately. He's like, all right, what's this? <laughs> you know, okay, out with it. Just go on, you know. Um, and uh, Marty Funkhauser has rededicated his life to Judaism. Uh, he meets with his rabbi every day. He's wearing the yarmulke. He's all in on his, you know, he's, he says he's been, there's been a lot of spilkis in his life. I don't know what that means, but he never recognized it before. And so he's, he, now he says he's living under a mitzvah and Larry just doesn't get it. But, but Marty Funkhauser seems to be saying that, that everything great in his life is due to Judaism. So he needs to give back in the way that Judaism has given to him. His faith has given to him. Um, uh, but Larry does remark that he doesn't think Sammy should be at an adult dinner. He thinks it's weird that they brought their kid. Why you bring your kid to an adult dinner? Which, uh, which I'm on Larry's side here. It is kind of weird. Uh, but dinner is ready. And Eddie's wife wants to it puts Larry in charge. She's like, oh, we got a great dinner and some great desserts, too. Which, by the way, I'm putting you in charge of keeping me away from no matter what. And Larry's like, okay. And... <laughs> It, it occurred to me here that, like, just how similar I think you should leave, because I know it comes up all the time, but I think you should leave and curb R, but especially in this instance, because it reminds me of one of my favorite type of sketches on I think you should leave, and that's the person who takes a social cue way too far. Like, the best example in the recent <laughs> season is, oh, you know, stop me if I talk about my kids again. And Tim Robinson's character just stares at him. <laughs> okay, I will. You know, it's like the okay, innocuous. I will. <laughs> okay, I will. And then he does. It's like, um, he takes it away. And then I love Jason Schwartzman. He's like, oh, did you go to Miami by yourself? Uh, no. Oh, who'd you go with? And he, like, glances across the room and doesn't do, he's like, I brought my kids and he pops up. Damn it! Stop talking about your kids. <laughs> I'm running out of things to do. And that's Larry in this instance. He's the person who takes the social cue way too seriously <laughs> and takes it to the extreme, as we're gonna find out. But I love the way that he goes that she goes, no matter what. And he's like, Okay. That same intensity, like, okay, no matter what, you got it. <laughs> like, uh, all right. <laughs> so but but Larry is Larry is the person who should leave in almost every occasion on the show, right? <laughs> like, if you made a skit out of all of Larry's social interactions, he would be the person who should leave in, in the sketch. The person taking the, the social interaction to a place that no rational person in our society would, but thinks they're right. 100%. But thinks yeah. they're right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so over at the table, Marty Funkhauser is singing the traditional, like, Jewish prayer blessing the meal and then he ends, and everyone's getting ready. But he's like, now for the wine. And Larry's like, no, 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 no. And Funk's like, you can't drink the wine without blessing. And Larry's like, watch me, and takes a sip. And everyone's like, all right, I guess we're drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Larry's not going to put up with this. But the topic of conversation at the table turns quickly to the fact that Al-Abbas is opening a second location right next to Goldblatt's Deli. Susie first says, over my dead body. And Jeff goes... You know, I actually don't think they'd mind that. <laughs> they probably wouldn't mind that. <laughs> and that's when Eileen goes, LOL, Jeff, LOL. And Ron is visibly perturbed at, I thought it was the fact that she was laughing at another man. And that was just another part of their relationship where he's emasculated. Like she's constantly laughing at other dudes or whatever. But that's not what the case is, um, as we find out later why Ron is so upset at that. But Larry does clock that reaction. And the discussion here quickly becomes 
an allegory for something. As much as I've tried to understand, I never have. But you can tell they're talking about Israel and Palestine and the West Bank and settlements. But they're talking about it within the context of, well, it's perfectly legal for them to be there. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right. They should be forced out and, and blah, blah, you know. So could you, did you, you got that feeling from this scene that they're, they're sort of talking mm-hmm. about that, mm-hmm. that, you know, the, that whole Middle East situation, but talking about it in the context of restaurants opening next to each other. I mean, I, I just, something <laughs> that I have never understood and like, and like my mom and dad have been over there and stuff. And my mom has like tried to explain it to me and, and stuff. And um, I, I've just, it's something I've never, ever gotten. Um, I don't know. I don't know where you stand on the, on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I mean, understanding it, not where you stand on it. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, where do I stand on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? Well, let me tell you. Three, <laughs> yeah, hours, three hours later. <laughs> no, I, I have... I'm I'm so un, uninformed Me on the too. on the whole thing. Yeah. Like I I can't I cannot I cannot weigh in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I cannot have an opinion on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. The same way, whenever it comes up on like, because we watch a lot of you know like Twenty Four or Homeland, and it comes up, you know, in those, and I'm like, uh huh, uh huh. Get back to the spy stuff. You know, I was like, I don't know who's right or wrong here. I don't, I can't. Uh, but people have very strong feelings about it, and like people have been canceled over their opinions on Israel. You know, I mean, like people want to make it a big thing about. Maybe you even see when, like, who is it? Um, Il- 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 what's her name? Ilan Omar. You know, the uh, the congresswoman. I think. I think yeah. she's in the House of Representatives. Yes. Yeah. You know, she has the, the whole squad has strong feelings about it, and Repu- Republicans are constantly like you know, trying to cancel them over it. And I, I just don't, I don't know enough about it to know what's, what everyone's so mad at. Um, I know uh, it, it doesn't sound good, but um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things, but yeah. And there's going to be a rally against the new location. And Susie's like, Oh, Jeff, we're going. And despite Jeff and Larry going, you know, I've heard the chicken's pretty good there actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've heard the same thing. Um, everyone's very pissed that they're going to open from this uh, across the street from this uh, iconic, Hollywood, uh, you know, L.A. deli. And so they're going. And then Larry, Larry Miller, Rodney has this great line where he's like, oh, you know, I would be at that rally, but I'm actually uh, booked to be at the rally on the other side of Goldblatt's at the German place. And everyone cracks up at that, including, well, not including Eileen, but she does give him an LOL, uh, I think, uh, in this case, uh, gives him <laughs> another LOL. And as the dinner continues, Larry says that the potatoes are ice cold. Um, you know, the potatoes are, are not cold. They could be warmed up a little bit when the, when she asks how the dinner is, when the host asks. And he's like, hey, the potatoes are a little cold. Um, and everyone's kind of like, Larry, come on. We're at a dinner party. You don't say stuff like that. Uh, and then he starts telling a dirty joke. And it was kind of funny that he's like, you know what? He points at Funkhouse. He's like, this is right up your alley. You're going to love this. And it's because it's about a huge opening. <laughs> I don't know if you I don't know if that's what they were refer- referencing. That Funkhouser's joke was out also to to Jerry Seinfeld about a woman who was, I don't forget what he said, anxious about her openings or embarrassed about her opening or something like that. But Larry's <laughs> joke is also going to be about a giant vagina. Um, I would love to hear the rest of this joke. I don't think it's a real joke because he's like, you know, a woman goes to the gynecologist, puts her, he tells her, put your feet up on the stirrup and spread it wide. And he goes, my goodness, Mrs. Johnson, what a large vagina you have. It just doesn't sound like a real joke. God. <laughs> but no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, I would love I would love to hear where that was going, but I don't think it was going anywhere. But Susie cuts him off because Sammy is there and he's like, "Why you bring your kid to a dinner adult dinner party anyway?" And he's like, "Cuz she's a, she's an adult." And he's like, "Well, if she's an adult, then she's old enough to hear this joke." And she's like, "There's levels." 
And Larry's like, oh, there's levels to being an adult. Uh, and they have that little argument. But I like Funkhauser, his traditional definition of what a, a woman is like. She's a she's an adult when she's bar mitzvah. What is it? Well, she's an adult when she's thirteen, or she's made her first latkes. <laughs> Everyone like cracks up at it. Um, oh my god! Yeah, I'm actually kind of like I'm I'm kind of like surprised by with Marty after he has you know redevoted his life to Judaism yeah. because like that's something that someone would say if they're trying to make light of Marty, it sounds yes. like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was, I mean, even he kind of chuckles at it. So I, maybe it was like kind of a joke at his expense or like a joke at traditional Judaism. I don't know, but he, he enjoys it as a joke. I, I noticed that he had that reaction that everybody kind of laughs at. But yeah, um, it, it would seem yeah, that, it, yeah. I mean, given given the things that happen later on in the episode, it's very odd that he enjoys it as a joke. I agree. He should have gone, I'm not joking. That's what it is. But he he sort of enjoys it. He sort of doesn't mind that everyone's laughing at his new, you know, rededication. But it does get another LOL from Eileen. So it was totally a joke to the to the table. At dessert, everyone is enjoying these delicious chocolate cakes uh, that uh, are, are made. And Ron's wife, who I, I still don't think we have a name for, right? Maybe they even said it at the beginning, but um, I was still writing Ron's wife here. And Ron's wife goes for a cake. You know, she's kind of like checking the coffee to make sure there's enough. And then she's like, oh, I, I'll, I'll just have a. And so she grabs it. But that's when Larry's hand enters the frame and stops her. She's like, oh, you know, I, I was just going to have a bite. And he's like, I, you told me, you know, not to let you have any dessert no matter what. And she's like, I know, but I've changed my mind. He's like, that's why you say no matter what. That's the what. And you knew that I would stop you <laughs> no matter what. And none of these other people would. They'd let you do whatever you want. But. You can't change your mind now. That's why you said no matter what earlier. And they have a huge fight that gets physical and they end up even going to the ground over this. <laughs> but it reminds me of one of my favorite jokes in a movie of all time. It's very similar. I think he might even use the same words in Young Frankenstein when Gene Wilder is like going to go in and talk to the monster. And he's like, do not let me out of that cell no matter what. No matter what I say, even if I tell you to let me out, don't let me out. And he goes in and, and the monster just stands up and he runs back towards the door. And he's like, let me out, you little piss ant. And he's like, he's like banging on the door. But, but Igor, I think, is who he told him to, to keep him in there. Not Igor. It's Igor, if you remember the movie. Um, Igor, you know, it is, is like Larry. He knew no matter what, don't let him out. And so he doesn't let him out, despite him saying the what. And so Larry, I think, is right in this situation. She said no matter what. We're over at Ron's house now, and we find out that Ron's car is going to cost $573 to get fixed. And Larry's like, fine, you know what? Don't even call insurance. I'll just cut you a check. Ron's like, that's one way to go. Let me propose uh, something else. He was so impressed that Larry just speaks his mind like he did at the dinner party. The potatoes were cold. He's like, yeah, they were ice cold, but no one was going to say that. He's like, and, and the thing with Sammy being there, he's like, yeah, why bring your kid to an adult dinner party? He's like, exactly. Everyone was thinking it, but you were the one that actually spoke your mind. And he's like, you know, my wife, I don't know if you noticed this, she has this thing where instead of laughing, she says, LOL. And he's like, if you, he's like, it's very annoying. And Larry agrees. And so he's like, if you tell her to stop saying LOL, I'll rip up this estimate. I'll take care of it myself, whatever. You don't owe me a thing. Our debt will be clear. And Larry thinks that's a pretty good deal. Uh, and so Eileen comes home and he elicits an LOL out of her almost immediately, which is a perfect time to bring up the fact that she should probably stop, stop saying it. I, again, I, everyone agrees with Larry in this case, I would think that like, 
if you're laughing out loud, just laugh out loud. And she's like, but that's what the LOL is. I am laughing. He's like, no. Yeah, just just laugh. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're verbal texting, he says. <laughs> um, it's not cute. She's like, oh, I know. He's like, you say, you like saying that. She's like, I know it's cute, right? Um, but no, he has to tell her it's not. But Eileen sees right through the charade. And is like, did my husband put you up to this? And she and Ron get into a huge fight as Larry kind of like points to the bill and then like ducks out of the situation. He's like, oh, we're cool here. Right. Okay. Bye. <laughs> and then just leaves uh, as, as Ron and Eileen are still in this huge fight over LOL. So back over at Alabas, Jeff says that Larry is like a social assassin. He's like a social assassin. He's like 573 bucks. You could get someone killed for less than that in, in most countries. He was like, and someone hired you essentially to be a social assassin and deliver this bullet that they couldn't do themselves. And he's like, yeah, I guess I am. He's like, but you know, they got in this huge fight afterwards and I just kind of ducked out. And so Jeff's like, oh, so you bungled the hit. And he's like, no, I did what I was supposed to do. He's like, yeah, but she saw through it. So you bungled the hit. And he's like, what do you, you don't even know anything about social assassin. He's like, I'm the one that called you social assassin. I'm the one that invented it. And we don't want you at this agency anymore, <laughs> which I love. But, uh, but again, I agree with Jeff. Like if someone after, if yeah. you were a hitman and someone's still alive, you bungled the hit. If you're a social assassin and they know that the message was delivered for someone else, you bungled the hit. And unless that person is like, I want, you know, because some hits, I agree there, some, you know, actual murder hits, there would be an occasion where you're like, I want them to know it was me. We're sending a message. You're a hitman. Uh, but but in this case, you don't want a social assassin blowing up your spot. But that's exactly what happened. So it's uh, they invited uh, Funkhauser to eat with them. And he shows up and, and he drops a, I guess, probably a very timely reference at the time. He's like, you know what? I decided if Rabin can break bread with Arafat, I can eat at this Palestinian shithole. <laughs> it started so profound. Jesus Christ. It started so profound and then ended so uh, bluntly uh, that it was a great line uh, from the funk man. But he's wearing his yarmulke. And Jeff and Larry are like, all right, come on. We don't need to shove it in their faces. And he's like, what? Proud Jews. Larry even says something that I don't understand. I don't think I want to look it up, but he's like, what is this, the raid on Antibi? You don't need to wear your yarmulke into the restaurant. You don't need to shove it in their face. We're already showing up, you know, persona non grata. Why do you have to do that? And so they start fighting over it. Larry grabs for the yarmulke and, like, uh, tries to rip it off his head, and Funkhauser gets, like, incensed at it. And meanwhile, we see a crowd watching this fight and watching like the yarmulke be ripped off and and funkhauser like <laughs> pulling it away and walk he's like and then he's like not he's not gonna eat there anymore he's you know so he drives off and the crowd sees this fight and they walk in they larry and jeff walk in to an uproarious applause everyone in the restaurant and is so impressed and um maybe most impressed is the hottie that larry saw there earlier and she's like, you're a Jew, right? And he's like, yeah, big, big Jew. Uh, he, he, wants to, he wants her to hate him as much as possible. <laughs> she's like, you know, thank you for making sure he didn't wear his Jew cap into the restaurant. Um, and she's like, you know what? I, I like you. And he's like, what's not to like? And she goes, well, you're a Jew. <laughs> I love that, that nonchalant Jesus back and forth. Because <laughs> even, even then Larry goes, eh. <laughs> Yeah. What's not to like? Well, you're a Jew. Eh. It was so like she almost dropped the like sexy accent and and like that sultry tone she was talking in for just one second. Like, well, remember you're a Jew. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> like, uh, but she introduces herself and gives him her card. Her name is Shara, 
and she says, call me. And so then Larry and Jeff are, are eating and they see in walks in Eddie and Eileen. So Ron's wife and Eddie walk in. Uh, and just like Larry said, it's a great place for Jews who are having an affair to bring, uh, you know, to bring each other. And Jeff books it. He's like, oh, my gosh, this is where he said. And I didn't write it down that it's like Priscilla. It starts something with a P like Pat- Patricia or Priscilla or something like that. Juliet. There you go. Juliet. It was not a P. I knew. Ah. <laughs> Juliet. So, yeah, uh, Susie's good friends with Juliet. If Jeff doesn't have plausible deniability that he saw them together, he, he's just screwed. So he's got to book it out of there. And he's taking the chicken. <laughs> he, like, wraps his chicken up in a little napkin and runs out. Um, by the way, did this make you really want chicken? Man, I wanted to try this chicken so bad. It did. Yeah. It did. And I never get chicken when I go out because... <laughs> I've had a, yeah. I, I've had I've had tenders from two different places <laughs> since I watched this episode for the first time. Yeah, I, and I never get chicken when I go out because we eat chicken so much at home because Sarah doesn't eat red meat. So when I go out, I'm like, oh, I better get a burger or a steak or something that I, I never get at home. I, I really wanted to try this chicken, though. And that's why Jeff grabs it and, and runs out. Eddie does end up seeing Larry sitting at the table, and he kind of like, you know, they both give that like, oh, my God. And, and so Eddie goes over there and to talk to Larry and, and he's like, look, the only reason we're here together is we've, we've always been friends. Now we're a little more friendly. And and she got in a big fight with Ron over the fact that she says, LOL. And so, you know, please just don't say anything because, look, it's going to ruin the team that will be disqualified. If, if Ron finds out about this, he'll leave the team. Then we, we, we can't replace him by the rules. And so the tournament's going to be ruined. So don't say anything. And he's like, no matter what. Right. And Larry's like, ah, yes, no matter what. This was probably my favorite Eddie line of the whole episode when he's like, I tell you what. Your lunch is on me. And Larry goes, I already paid for it. And he goes, even better. And walks off. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. It's also like a total, it was very old man jokish. Like I hesitate to say boomer. I don't mm-hmm. even want to ascribe it to boomers. But it's the same kind of old man thing that, that um, what 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 do you say at the end of every every episode? Be good. It's the same old man that says be good. That's, it's, as, very, it's very be good It's humor. very be good yeah. humor. Yeah. <laughs> Like I already paid even better and then walks off. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's somewhere between boomer humor and dad joke. It's, it's that weird gray area, but I, but you know, Larry Miller delivered it so well that, that I cracked up. Uh, so over at Jeff and Susie's, you know, we find out that LOL was the final straw. Um, oh, that was kind of another f- kind of funny thing. I don't know. Maybe racist. I don't know. I guess racist, but, but Rod or uh, Eddie goes, um, He's like, you know, the LOL thing was the straw that broke the camel's back. Oh, I guess I shouldn't say that in here. <laughs> in the Palestinian restaurant. I got to admit, I, I, God. I chuckled at it. But yeah. But I'm like, I'm like, you know, Israel is right across the street. You know, <laughs> like, so maybe, I don't know. I guess it probably was racist. But, you know, it, it, camels are a big part of that whole thing, that whole area. But LOL was the final straw, as, as Larry tells Jeff. And he's like, you know what? No more social assassin. This power I can't share with other people because it's just going to be screwed up. Um, you know, I, I can't I can't use this anymore in that way. But Sammy overhears the conversation about how the golf team would be in ruins if anybody found out. And in and when Larry is leaving, he she intercepts him on the way to the car and says, "My mom does this thing. Maybe you noticed she was doing it at the dinner party. Anytime she takes a sip of anything, she smacks her lips together and goes." And he's like, I did notice that. It was pretty annoying. <laughs> By the way, one of the things that I liked about Larry and Jeff talking about being a social assassin is about the $500. He was like, I was about to tell her that night for free. <laughs> like he was going to tell her to stop saying LOL that night for free. And now he's getting the, the car taken care of for of it, uh, out of it. But Sammy's like, if you tell, tell, please tell my mom 
to stop making that annoying sound. Like my friends make fun of it because I hear it when she drops me off and stuff. And, and it's just like so annoying to everybody. And Larry agrees, but he's like, you know what? I appreciate you coming to me with this, but you know, essentially he's out of the game. I'm not your guy. You know, we get like kind of a, a another great like cinematic moment of where he's like, hey, hey, kid. You know, he even says that he's like, I appreciate <laughs> you coming to me, kid. But, you know, I'm not I'm not your guy. I can't do that anymore. And we even get like the good, the bad and the ugly horns that we get sometimes in the score when when there's a scene like this. And Sammy asked him to roll down the windows like, wow, I guess you're not playing golf this weekend because I overheard what you were saying about uh, Eddie and Eileen and Ron and. If you don't tell my mom, I'll tell Ron what's going on, and then you won't be able to golf anymore. He's like, and Larry is like, "Wow, you're you're blackmailing me," and he's got no choice but to agree. And he's like, "Wow, you really are your mother's daughter." And she goes, "Yeah." Now get the fuck out of my driveway, you bald prick! <laughs> <laughs> and Larry's face, where he just got like, he just got assassinated for crying out loud. He's like, <laughs> like, there's gonna be two of them now. Uh, and then smash cut to Shara fucking Larry. Okay, uh, so and yeah, <laughs> Dead has a disclaimer. Get, get, gotta go into this again. We <laughs> we brought this up the, the first time we talked about this. Wasn't recording, but <laughs> we've said we we we've said things on the show before that have been dialogue. You know, not not the N word. Neither of us have said the N word. <laughs> nope. Nope. Even though Larry David has many, many times. But anyway, there are things that are in the dialogue of the show that we'll say on here because they're not said out of hate. It's just said in the dialogue. It's just said in the run of the show. Well, pretty much everything in this following scene is said (laughs) out of hate. It is said from one person to another because they hate that type of person. Even even though they're in the middle of having sex, it is said with pure hatred. Oh, no doubt. She is hate-fucking Larry right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, we, we probably shouldn't say any of that stuff. But, I mean, some of it is part of the plot. So, like, one of the, like, but it is very anti-Semitic dirty talk, if you don't know what we're getting at here. I mean, it's like, one of the more tamer ones is Occupy This. <laughs> um, and also, Larry is leaning into his Jewishness only because it makes her hate him more and... You know that's better for the situation that he's in right now. I guess, so yeah. Even even he is like almost like Woody Allen. Like, um, I, let's leave my father out of this. I, uh, uh it, it reminds me of something the uh, uh, Theodore Herzl said. Uh, you know, like who? By the way, I'm I'm going to look up. I don't know who that is. I'm sure it's some Jewish philosopher or you know something. But I do want to know. <laughs> but I like that he dropped that name in the middle of it. Meanwhile, while this is going on, Marty Funkhauser walks in. And he's looking for Larry, but he overhears all of the action going on and decides to wait, decides to just stay there and, and wait it out for some reason. He uh, the, the one thing that sticks out to Marty that that maybe is like, I need to address this with Larry right now. Maybe that's what it was, was um, fuck me, you Jew bastard is what, <laughs> what Marty, Marty hears. <laughs> and uh, and so he sits there and waits for Larry, and Larry is unashamed about what just happened. He even makes, like, a little introduction between Shara and, as he calls him, Martin, which I liked. He's like, Martin, Shara, Shara, Martin, <laughs> which was hilarious. Um, and you pointed out a, another great allegorical instance here when we recorded earlier that I think you should do again. 
that it was like a peace accord. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So it, it's like Larry, uh, almost like making peace between nations yeah. here. He's, he's just so he's just so down the middle of yeah. everything. He's he's introducing his best friend to the woman that he's sleeping with. <laughs> yeah, but it's Rabin meeting Arafat, like uh, like Funkhauser mentioned earlier, um, and so Larry again, he's he doesn't care as as. When Shara leaves, M- Marty says, fuck me, you Jew bastard. And Larry says it is a small price to pay for the best sex he's ever had anywhere with anyone. Uh, but by the way, that's not why Marty showed up. He was there to tell him he can't play golf on the Sabbath. And Larry's like, you're co-faxing us? And Marty's line here is great. If by co-faxing you mean your best player can't play uh, you know, because it's the Sabbath, then yes, I'm co-faxing you. Which I know he's talking about Sandy Koufax, the famous Dodgers pitcher who was Jewish. But I want to know specifically if Sandy Koufax ever sat out a game for that reason or, or whatever. And I want to look that up. Uh, and Larry's like, I'll tell you what, if I can convince the rabbi to let you play, Marty's like, I'll be there. Sure, whatever she says. And so I like... Their interaction when they leave is hilarious because Funkhauser goes, but Funkhauser is referring to Larry sleeping with the Palestinian woman. He's like, our friendship is like this right now. He's like, it's hanging out by a thread. He's, he puts up his like tiny, you know, his index and his thumb are like, you know, a centimeter apart. And Larry's like, you don't play in this tournament. It's over. How about that? Uh, <laughs> and they just have a big argument as as Marty leaves. So over at University Syn- University Synagogue, which is at 11960 Sunset Boulevard, it merged with Wilshire Boulevard Temper- Temple in 2020, creating the Reform Jewish Synagogue at Brentwood, Wilshire. Oh, um, at this Brentwood location, I think it's called the Wilshire Boulevard Temple University Campus, I think is what it is now. Um, and Larry is munging on some Palestinian chicken. Yes. In the waiting room of the synagogue, which the receptionist is giving him the side eye for. And then the rabbi comes out and, you know, was like, he's like, oh, I showed up early. I was going to finish my lunch. She was like, bring it into the office. And then she sees the sticker and everything like on the to go containers. Like, is that Alabas chicken? And so in the rabbi's office, Larry's like, look, I know we have our problems with these people, but I got to tell you, they know their way around a chicken. And the rabbi's like, well, <laughs> keep that away from me no matter what. And Larry goes, oh. okay. Which is, he gives like the Tim Robinson, okay. This was so Tim Robinson. I guess it was like more, because Curb was predates, obviously. I think you should leave. But it was the same reaction like, okay, I am going to take this mission that you just gave me as serious as murder. Like, even though she did not mean it that way, like, okay, I will keep you away from this no matter what. And so cut to the rabbi and Larry fighting over the chicken uh, as the receptionist walks in and and sees this site. And he's like, you said no matter what. And she really wants to try it. So over at the country club, the golf tournament is going great. The team is four strokes ahead. Uh, Even Funkhauser, who is playing, by the way, because Larry cut a bargain, as he says, with the rabbi. He hasn't missed a fairway. Everyone's playing great. It's basically a lock at this point because all they have to do is finish 18 and they win because they're four strokes ahead. and, And they basically can't lose at this point, except that as Larry is putting, Susie shows up and makes the ah, sound, taking a sip from her travel mug. And so Sammy insists that that is the moment that Larry tell her to stop doing that uh, right now. But Susie thinks that, again, Larry kind of botches the hit because Susie thinks that Jeff put him up to it and is like, you know what, don't even come home tonight. And so as Sammy sees that this is now causing a rift in her parents' marriage, as it did in Ron and Eileen's marriage, she confesses immediately that she's the one that put Larry up to it. But she said, "I." She blows up Ed and Eileen's spot because he's like, "I said if I 
if he didn't do it, that I would tell you that Ed and Eileen are having an affair. And so that blows up the whole team. Ron walks off in a huff and throws his golf clubs, and the game is over, and the tournament is lost. So Larry is uh, stuck in traffic a little bit later, and we find out that they're rerouting traffic for a protest rally from Officer Ackerman. Scott Ackerman. <laughs> more like uh, more like Scott Copperman. Yeah, Hot Copperman is there. <laughs> and he looked like such a little baby. Like, I have to write this down to find out. He looks out. so young. He looks so, <laughs> yeah. so young. Like, his hair is, is different. I mean, and he's, like, just trying to act his ass off. You can tell. It's not a funny role. That's what's so funny about it is, like, it's an acting role. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, we're rerouting. Can you pull forward, please? He doesn't say one funny thing. And for no. Scott Ackerman, who was always <laughs> funny, to just be playing straight and like acting his ass off as this police officer was like so funny to see. And it's like, oh yes, oh my gosh, I'm I'm like a you know an improv comic, and I've heard about this new thing called podcasting, but I really want to try acting, and I get to be on Curb Your Enthusiasm, an improver's dream. Oh, I actually have lines written for me that are that they're <laughs> not funny. Like it must have been like, well, I guess I need the paycheck. Uh, wonder. Say, who's this? Uh, I don't know. I was going to try to more like Scott Ackerman predicting his own future, but I don't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we'll do a little dive on what Scott Ackerman was up to in 2011. Maybe he was further along than I, than I think in his career. There's the protest rally going on, and, and Larry walks up to screaming factions between Goldblatt's Deli and Alabas Chicken. And, of course, Marty Funkhauser and Susie are imploring Larry, like, of course, come over to this side and yell over there. But Shara says... Come over to our side and anything you want. I have a sister. Me, her, and you. How about that? And then we see Larry sort of trying, weighing the decision in his head. Kind of like, hey, well, that side. Well, but then this side. As Frolic starts to play. And that is the end of the episode. Oh, my gosh. All right, Tim. Dude, what do we got for homework this week? Uh, Theodore Herschel. Who is that? Uh, <laughs> what about co-faxing? And what was Scott Ackerman up to in 2011? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Uh, what do you like for cover art? I mean, you almost have to use the scene you mentioned earlier. This was the scene you were talking about that is the most memed, you think, in Curb history, right? Yeah. Like yeah. The, the, ver- the very end. The very ending scene of like Larry just kind of like weighing his options. Not, not uh, panning over left no. or right. Just the straight shot zooming in on him. That's... That's the GIF. Yeah. You know, you you, uh, you type in Curb Your Enthusiasm into Giphy. That's like the thing that comes up. Yeah. You type indecision into it and this will yeah. pop up. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is the indecision GIF. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, so you almost have to do that, I think. What, what do you think? I, I was thinking either that or uh, Larry, like the very wide shot of Larry walking down in between both restaurants <laughs> with both angry mobs on either side of him. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good, too. At uh, first, it's got to be one of those. I think this is funny. You have to put it in context, though. Like, I, I first I was thinking, I was like, go with Shara for crying the hell out loud. What are you, an idiot? Like, <laughs> but then I was like, well, let me put this in context for me. And I was like, okay, say Shara is like a, ma- a MAGA person or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> you know, you're joining like Justice for January 6th rally or you're, you know, on the same side of history. And, and I think that. Then I was. Then the decision actually became a little tougher. I was like, because uh, like we said earlier, oh no, we do not have like we don't have any idea about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and who's right or wrong in that situation. So 
that would be very easy if I was in Larry's shoes. <laughs> but uh, then I had to put it in context for myself. You know what I mean? And then I'm like, oh, that, now I understand. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get you. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I had to, I had to personalize it. Like I knew it was a difficult decision for Larry, but I had to put it in 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 terms of, you know. Uh, now I really understand the stakes. Like I got it, but now I really get it since I thought about it a little bit more. But yeah, I think I think either one of those is probably good. Okay, uh, let's see what we can do about this week's description. All right. So we had Larry plays social assassin to the hilt at a dinner party, on the golf course, and at a Palestinian restaurant with chicken to die for. He only does it. He doesn't do. He doesn't. He's not a social assassin at all. Those places is he? He's only a social assassin on the golf course. Like on, yeah. the, on the golf course and in talking to a friend's wife. That's it. Yeah. And a golf course at Ron's house. And that's it. Like, so I, <laughs> I think it is pretty bad, even though it tried to bring in all the storylines. This is a tough one to like raise from the ground up. But um, all right. A like a controversial. I like Larry plays social assassin, though. That's not bad. Maybe we can keep that. Yeah. Larry plays social assassin. Yeah. So I think you were on the right track with. With not raising it, like Larry plays social assassin to, I mean, it's it's to a friend's wife both times. So Larry plays social assassin to his friend's wives. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or how about you don't even say his. Like Larry plays social assassin to friends' wives, and then what's the what's the last part? Uh, I mean, it's just all uh, to the hilt at a dinner party. Yeah. Uh, on the golf course and at a Palestinian restaurant with chicken to die for. Okay. It's, it's only talking about him being a social assassin. So There's no other. Part. Larry plays social assassin to friends' wives and enjoys controversial chicken. Does that work? <laughs> and enjoys, you can say controversial or a, and enjoys a controversial chicken restaurant. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I like that, actually. <laughs> but yeah. Just enjoys controversial chicken. Enjoys controversial is... chicken. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. I kind of like that better too. <laughs> and enjoys controversial chicken. So all right, I think we did make it better. I think we made it better. Okay. Uh, uh Tim, did you like this episode? I got to say, I gave it a full star. One of the most one of the easiest full stars I've ever given. This episode lived up to its hype as one of the best curb episodes in the run of the show. I I watched I too watched it twice. That's what I didn't mention. So I watched it Tuesday night because we were going to do the podcast Wednesday, Ooh. and then I watched it again last night, all the way through, no notes or anything. And the last time I did that, it diminished the episode. I was like, oh, this wasn't as funny the second time. This I was still laughing at all the things that were funny the first time. I was laughing at more that I wasn't able to catch because I was taking notes the first time. It, it just got funnier. <laughs> it it lived up to his hype, much as we found yeah. the Seinfeld best of often lived up to the hype. This one, I'll put right up there in my pantheon with the carpool lane as one of the best episodes. It's just, it's, I can't say enough good things about it. What about you? Yeah, I, um, I, I thought this episode was really funny. I, I thought I was going to give it a star the first time through and then watching it this time again, watching it for the second time this morning. Again, this is the only episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm I've seen twice now. Yeah. Um, watching it through again for the second time, I was thinking, okay, maybe I won't enjoy it as much, kind of taking your experience into consideration. But no, I I got to give this a full star as well. I yeah. thought this was very funny. I mean, problems aside with <laughs> the content, uh, but that, yeah, that's but I mean, just curb. That's curb. Yeah, and it, and it was set out of hate. I mean, <laughs> but... But also, like, it, it's it's played for laughs, you know? Yes, like, yes. It, it's not like you're laughing at 
the people who are being diminished. Yes. You're laughing at the circumstance yes. that this hatred exists. Yeah, exactly. That is a good way to put it. So it's not like it's not like something you weren't supposed to laugh at. You know, if someone mm-hmm. just said something correct. If someone said something anti Semitic, like you know, you weren't supposed to laugh at Nick, I, I don't. Um, what's his? What Jake Johnson? That his name? Jake? What's the guy from New Girl? Oh yeah, yeah, Jake yeah. Johnson. You weren't supposed to laugh at him at his story saying the N word. Like, oh, that was a funny story about those guys moving something and that guy calling that guy a racial slur. That was supposed like, to that, be like, that's oh not my the god, funny part. Yeah, that that's wasn't not the funny part. Funny. That's the yeah. part that is supposed to make you go, what the fuck? Yeah, Jesus and Christ. So in in counter to that that you know offensive. Uh, content this was played for laughs and was you know and is something you shouldn't say <laughs> you know it's a little bit different than that <laughs> and God. and hilarious but you got to wonder too if that if the woman had i would love to know if there's a similar interview like because jake johnson remember the interview we played with larry <laughs> king where he's like i I did the take and i told the story and then they cut and they're like could you soften that a little bit so he said the n-word too well <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how this woman dealt with having to say all this anti-Semitic stuff. I would love to know. <laughs> Can you back oh, it off a little God. bit? You're too good at saying that. Oh, um, okay. I, I I gotta look up and see what uh what next week's episode is because oh, okay. I don't have it written down. <laughs> By the way, I, I know I mentioned at the top, but this episode's already too long, and we got something to do today anyway. So I can't get into Jaycon Doglord's uh, great idea. But maybe we'll, we will definitely try to do it very soon. Maybe at the beginning of next week's episode, just to make sure we get it in. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Next week, we have got Season 8, Episode 4, The Smiley Face. Original air date, July 31st, 2011. And if you are looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see... Larry vows to topple a sacred dating taboo and regrets making concessions to his new office neighbor. Ooh, I like the synopsis. Hmm. I, uh, I like it too. I mean, yeah. Larry's always trying to topple taboos. I know. I hope that <laughs> I hope it actually has something to do with the episode. We'll find out next week, though. I, I was hoping this would be Larry goes to Eaton Park, which of course, oh if you're God. not from Pennsylvania, uh, if you're not from Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not going to get that. They're famous for their smiley face cookies, but uh... I, I brought up. A, I, we don't have time to talk about this. I brought up Eaton Park on the air. In Texas today, <laughs> or this this past week, just trying to describe what it is. Oh yeah, it's like a Denny's or you know, yeah, an IHOP yeah, it's, or something it's, like it's that. A, it's a decent, it's yeah. a decent chain restaurant. Yeah, but yeah. they're known for their smiley cookies. Yep, but no, we'll have to wait <sighs> for that one. All right, is that it? That is it. All right, for no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.